I'd like to introduce my friend Gail Kerwin to you. Um, thank you for your warm welcome this morning. Gail comes from Calgary. She is the community leader at the Center Street Church for the Young Adults, Women, and Administration Ministries. Um, although I haven't seen Gail for 15 years, we have had some wild connections by phone and email, and she's kept me a little bit up to date on some of the valleys that she's gone through, and she's going to be sharing them with you and what, what God has done in her life. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for your warm welcome. Thank you, Jason, for allowing me to speak here today. Um, God is a good God. He is powerful. He is mighty. And um, he is here for us. Um, like Susan said, I am the community leader from, from Center Street Church. And I haven't seen Susan and Rudy for like 15 years, but we've caught up in the last little while. And um, God has orchestrated that for whatever reason. It's here to be here today to speak with you. Um, if there is only a few words that I could say about my healing journey and about my life, um, is that my life is about forgiveness, redemption, freedom, and love. Um, these themes, I wasn't going to read from my paper, but I'm so nervous <laughs> that I might just do that. <laughs> um, but these themes have woven through the, my life in many different ways, and they are beautifully evident in every part of my life and how God has helped me through it. I grew up, I grew up um, knowing the reality of life and the challenges of life at a very young age. My father left my mom when, with four girls. She had four girls. He left us when I was five years old. And um, she raised us on her own. She wasn't a mother that had a career. And so a lot of our life was very difficult in trying to find ways to um, make sure that we were okay. But um, despite the separation from my father and despite how much I hated him and despised him for leaving us and for leaving my family, I grew up knowing and accepting love in many different ways. Like I said, my mother was the greatest mother I could ever have. She was caring and she would give us girls everything that we possibly needed. Um, our door, our door was always open to other people. Um, the love that we gained from knowing from my mom, we gave out to others. And so our door was open on a regular basis. Anybody that needed to come into our home was welcome into our home. We had suppers <laughs> that would be tons of people we would have 40 people there, our friends, family, boyfriends, and all that kind of stuff. Um, people used to say to my mom, you, you cook for an army. But she literally was cooking for an army. Uh, we had some army friends that would come. Um, my, girl, my, fr- my sister and my girlfriend of hers, um, they, um, they were dating army guys. So these armies guys would come with bags full of groceries knowing that we didn't have enough. He would, come, <laughs> he would come with bags full of groceries and they would cook over top of my mom 
And we would just have a feast. And we all weekend we would be there having this feast. And it was just time of true joy and true love. Um, I also found love in a beautiful, wonderful family up the street. Um, they saw my mom with us four girls trying to mow our lawn and trying to dig our weeds. And this family would come alongside us. He became my father figure, and he is who I call dad, other than my heavenly father. And um, he's been in my life for 41 years, and he is my father figure. He has seen me through my best of times and my worst of times. Um, Their family would pack up their four kids, pack up us and my mom, five of us. We'd all get into one car on top of each other and go to church. (laughs) And um, we went to church on a regular basis. Until I was about, until I was probably about in grade nine. In grade nine, <laughs> I wanted to do what everybody else was doing. I wanted to be what, I wanted to be part of the cool kids. I wanted to um, do what they were doing. I wanted to be part of their team. And, but that took me away from God. I started partying. I started drinking. I started doing drugs. And for from grade 9 to about grade 11, my life was in absolute chaos. Um, I was an amazing volleyball player, and I had an opportunity to go further. Um, one of my goals was to play at a national level and or a college level, but that got taken away from me because of the choices that I made. The choices I made not to follow God, the choices I made to... Um, walk away from God. Yeah, I do. Um, But that sent me into a downward spiral spiral for about six months of my life. And um, (laughs) six months of my life where um, I did things that I was really not proud of. Things that my mom was not proud of things that God would not have been proud of. And um, just take a minute here. Um, and I remember one day, one Sunday morning, my mom grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and she said, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this. And she grabbed me and took me back to church. And when I entered the church, God just, Jesus came. He came. And I had this amazing um, feeling that I needed to go sit in the prayer chapel. So I sat in the prayer chapel, and Jesus met me there. And the pastor's son met me there. (laughs) But he just sat beside me, and he held my hand, and he prayed for me. And my life changed instantly that moment it's like God had put me in this bubble and he he put me in this bubble and he said nobody is going to touch you you are mine you are my child and he put me in this bubble and said I've got you and my life changed completely around I I got back on the volleyball team however I still lost my opportunity to go further with that but um, I graduated with honors, and my life started to take a turn. And then I met my ex-husband, now ex-husband. <laughs> um, 
And he came into my life at a really, really amazing time of my life. I thought he was my shining armor, my light and shining armor. We were married for 11 years. We have two wonderful, wonderful boys. Um, one is 22, and he works at Center Street Church as an audio engineer and has accepted Christ. And I have a 19-year-old who has accepted Christ and is working at the church in our communications department. Um, it was really trying times for me. He laughed when, again, Riley was, my youngest was three years old, my oldest was six. And it took me for, it took me for a loop, for sure. Um, he was an awesome man. Rudy worked with him at Safeway. When, um, and he was an awesome man. Um, you know, he was loving and he was kind. Um, but the love did not sustain in his heart. Um, then about a year after um, Al left and I was just slowly starting to get my life back together I remember Susan saying to me Gail, you need to get your life together you've got two boys that need you, that love you and you can't let this man take you down to the depths of hell you don't want to go there she said, I've been there in my life and you don't want to go there and at first I was a little angry with her, <laughs> but she's the one who pulled me out of that, that depth of where only Satan, only the enemy could have taken me. And he, that pulled me out of it. I knew I had to take care of my boys. I knew that God had something more for me. Um, my sister started taking me to church on a regular basis. We started going to a group called Single Moms. And... Man, their stories, the single moms that I, that I dealt with at this place, um, their stories were horrid. You know, Al left me, yes, but um, what some of these women went through, they went through deep pain, deep horror, beatings, um, just horrid things. And I knew why God had brought me there is because he wanted me to help them through that. Because um, I could love them, I knew they were coming. From, I knew where they were coming from, but Al just fell out of love with me. <laughs> and I know that doesn't seem a whole huge to you guys, but what they went through compared to what I went through was nothing. Um, and like I said, as I was slowly starting to get my life back, um, November twenty third, two thousand. The unthinkable happened. I was driving home from work, and um, I hit something in the middle of the road, and I thought it was uh, one of those cement barricades where they're kind of trying to block off the road. And I got out of my car to see what the damage on my car, and there was a man laying in the middle of the road. Um, As I bent down to help this man, oh, as I bent down to help this man, um, I could hear this man yell, and he says, "I'm an off-duty paramedic. Don't touch him. I'm here. I'll take care of him." And the next person on scene was an off-duty nurse. She had gotten off the bus with this man, 
and um, she helped him. And then I remember him looking up at me and saying, somebody needs to get her out of here. She doesn't need to see what's going on. And this lady walks over, grabs me, and takes me away. And I later found out that she was a social worker. She had just come, gotten off work, just gotten home, and she came up to see what the chaos was happening, and she took me aside. And they sat me in this police car, because the police were there real, right away. It was crazy. Um, they sat me in this police car, and I was, yeah, I didn't know what was coming or going. They got a phone number out of me, um, so my sister came to the scene of the accident. But a cop had leaned into the car, and he looked at me, and he said, you need to know that this is just an accident. There's nothing you did wrong. I thought, okay. Um, they recreated the scene of the accident the very next night. And like Larry was, uh, and I'll explain how I know him in a bit, um, Larry was 280 pounds. He was six foot two. Um, he was a big man, and I did not see him. There was a bus coming one way, and I was going the other way. Um, but as I found out later um, through circumstances, um, they had gotten off the bus. The lady had called to him and said, don't walk, there's a car coming, but he walked anyways. And I did not see him. And later when they um, recreated this scene of the accident, they say your reaction time is like five seconds. And from three blocks back, every five seconds they took pictures. And... Um, they said that you wouldn't have seen him. They dressed somebody up the same size, recreated everything, and he said, up until the time that he stopped, you would not have seen him. And, but it still, of course, took, took its toll on me. Um, the policeman that came, the constable that came to the ac er, scene of the accident, was taking, the, um, taking control of the accident, came to my house about an hour later. And he knelt down on one knee, and he put his hand on my knee. And he said, I'm sorry, Gail. He said, the man you hit died in the hospital. And and I wanted to run. I think the biggest thing I was worried about was what was going to happen to my kids. Was I going to jail? <laughs> was I going to be charged? What was going to happen to my kids? And although I knew I had family for them, I was more worried about what was going to happen to them in the offset of this than what was going to happen to me. Um... But as I sat there, the cop, the cop said to me, he said, Gail, he said, from what I can see, it's only an accident, and you're going to be okay. And he actually prayed for me. He was obviously a Christian, and um, he stayed with me until a crisis worker could come and talk with me and stayed there with my family. The next morning, uh, I woke my sister up at, five o'clock in the morning in November the sun isn't even up at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> but I just knew that I had to go to this hill where I usually 
go and walk. And I said, I need to go there. I don't know why I need to go there, but I need to see the sunrise. Because if the sun rises, then this is all true. It's not a dream. And we went to this hill, and I sat there in stunned silence, not knowing what my life was, what's going to happen. And Jesus met me there. And he said, (laughs) and the way I know Jesus um, he always gives me flowers. He always shows me flowers. And in the middle of winter, November, there are these white daisies sitting there in the middle of the snow. And he said, those are for you. And he said, I love you. You are my daughter. And I will take care of you. And the family will forgive you. And they will love you. And through a lot of different circumstances through an old friend of mine. Um, She was coming to see me that weekend. And, of course, I couldn't see her because of all that was going on. But when she went to her home church, at their church that day, she said the pastor had asked for prayer for Larry, who had died, for the family, and for the driver of the car. And she went down to him afterwards and she said, Pastor Bill, I know who the driver is. And he said, I want to speak with her. And so she gave me his number and it took me a week or so um, to, to call him. But I called him and he said, I just want you to know who Larry is. I want you to know that he was a Christian man. He was 55 years old. He had no family, like a wife and kids. He was on his own. He said... He was basically blind and basically deaf. And he was very depressed at the time of the accident that he was going to be going into a home. And he wasn't happy with that. And he said, you can take that for what it's worth. But he said, I just want you to know that we are all praying for you. And a year later, I felt like within that year, my life had changed. I was searching for... You know, when things like this happen, you're searching for answers. And my sister, one of my sisters was into some of the New Age stuff. And she said, I got somebody perfect for you to talk to. It's a spiritual advisor. And at that time, I was in a lot of chaos. So I said, okay. And I got into all this New Age stuff. I started going to angel readings and meditations and chakra balances and all these new age stuff that is not of God. But at the same time, I was attending Center Street Church and I was hearing the scriptures and I was hearing Pastor Henry talk about who God was and showing me who God was in this book. This book is truth. It's truth. And all I can say is that God won and I won and I turned from all the other stuff and from that day on I have not left church I have not left who God is for me I have not left what I know and who God how he loves me and he is my father about a year after Larry's death I wanted to go to the gravesite. And so I phoned up Pastor Bill and I asked him if he knew where the grave was. And he said, I, he said he needed to call the family and ask for their permission to tell me first off. 
And he asked me what I was doing and where I was at. And when I told him that I was following God, when I told him I was attending church, when I told him that God had put an amazing um, vision in my heart to establish a retreat center where people who have gone through similar things, who have gone through hurts and pains in their lives, could come and be healed and know who God is in their lives. That hasn't happened yet because God is still growing me and teaching me. Um, But he phoned the family and the family were in tears. And when he called me back, he was in tears and he said, you need to know that the family has forgiven you and the family loves you and they are praying for you. And all I could think of was how can this family forgive me? Forgive me for taking their son's life. But they did. They're a Christian family. They love God. And they forgave me. Um, Again, you know, Scripture is true. There's a passage in the Bible. If I can find it in my notes. I've gotten all over the place, sorry. (laughs) But there is a passage in the Bible that says that if you forgive, if you cannot forgive others, then how can he forgive you? And that forgiveness started a huge, huge, was a catalyst for me, was a catalyst for me to forgive my ex-husband for leaving, to forgive my father for leaving, and to forgive other people in my life. Who am I to hold unforgiveness when a family like that can forgive me for what I've done? I had no right to hold unforgiveness to others. Um, Al and I are really good friends now. Our our best, you know, what what we wanted to do was take care of our kids. Most for, for, first, sorry, first and foremost, um, our kids were the most important thing. And him and I are really good friends now. And what happens to our kids is more than anything that we want. Um, as far as my dad, I did go see him. After 30 years, I hadn't seen him in 30 years, and I went to um, went to see him, and we tried three times to rekindle our relationship, and that didn't work, and I, I could only bless him in the decision that he made not to want to rekindle that relationship. Um, to say where I've been, kind of in between is that God has been working on my heart. He's been teaching me. I've been growing. I've, um, <laughs> I understand who he is. He's a, he's a loving father, a kind father, and he loves each one of you just as much as he loves me. And he's got amazing healing and love for each one of you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening in your life. He loves you, and he's there for you. And he's there to help you through every part of it. (laughs) Um, So 
about two years after um, all of this happened, um, I took a package. I was working for TELUS. I'd worked for TELUS for 22 and a half years. And God had given me the vision for this retreat center. And I said, wow, God, I said, if this is what you want me to do, then you need to provide because I'm a single mom. I have no other income. And they were merging with BC Tal, and they were offering packages, so I took a package. Everybody thought I was crazy. They thought I had lost it. I had gone Jesus. <laughs> and they thought I had totally lost it. Um, but I took two years, after, two years off after that, and God took me and my two boys and created an amazing family of love. He brought us back to him. He brought us back to who we are supposed to be as a family. I don't think I would be where I am today if I had stayed with my ex-husband, truly. Um, he does not follow Christ and doesn't want to have anything to do with God at this point. So um, when that happened, my mom said, you know, come move in with me. She said, I want to take, you know, I want you guys to be able to just do what God wants to do in your life. Um, so she had me come move in with her. And I thought, 40 years old, two kids. Oh, my goodness, what a failure. <laughs> um, but I would never change that for anything. Um, about five years ago, my mom developed a sickness. They called it, called it autoimmune deficiency syndrome or something like that. Um, my son called me uh, at work one day and said, you know, mom's not doing, or grandma's not doing well, you need to come home. And I came home and her blood cell count was really, really low and her red blood cells were killing off her red blood cells. She was in the hospital for 22 days, 32 blood transfusions, and they couldn't turn it around. But in that time that we were there for the 22 days made a huge, huge impact. I didn't know what kind of impact that our family and my mom had made in that hospital. Um, on her last breath, they had taken out all the tubes and everything, and we all placed our hands on her heart, and we blessed her, and we loved her. She took her last breath, very peaceful, because God was with her. She was an amazing, amazing woman of God. And when we opened the curtains to walk out, every doctor, every nurse that had been part of her life during the 22 days were standing in front of her room with their heads down, praying for us. And as we walked by them, um, one, of the other, one of the nurses says, I've never, ever seen this happen before. I don't know what you guys have done. I don't know what happened. But she says, I've never seen this before. The impact that you guys have had in this hospital has been huge. When the doctors asked us if we wanted them to do an autopsy, I looked at the doctor and I said, I know that you've done the best that you could do for my mom. And we love you and we thank you. And I gave him a great big hug and he walks out of the room just absolutely in tears. I miss my mom. <laughs> She was a huge friend, a huge impact on my life. And a year later, my dad passed away. And it took every bit of me to try to decide 
if I want it to go to his funeral. Um, I wasn't sure why I would want to go when he didn't want to be part of my life. But I also knew that God was telling me I had to go. He was my father. He was my biological father. He brought me into this world, other than God. (laughs) Um, And that... um, I had to do it for me, and I had to do it for for God. And I went to the funeral, and um, there was the pastor up at the front. He was preaching and, and talking about my dad. And he said, he's a man of God. He accepted Christ five years ago. He doesn't want anybody to go past the point of not knowing Christ. He needs to tell them about God and tell them who he is. And I went to the pastor afterwards and I said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You're talking about a man I don't know. And I don't believe what you're saying to me. And he looked at me and he just said, there's things that you don't know about him. There's things I can't reveal, but there's things that you don't know. And his wife came up beside me and all she said to me was, a good woman, he had remarried, had other kids. He said a good woman would have allowed him to rekindle that relationship. And instantly God gave me, you know, the scripture that says, the scripture that says um, that the understanding, like you don't, and I don't know, I can't remember it, but how you do not understand, it's that understanding that you'll never know. And God gave me this instant understanding that my father did love me. That he didn't have the opportunity to come and rekindle that relationship. And I was able to walk away from that with absolute peace. And I thank God and praise God that I did go. And I was at, that I did go and I was at, I got to see him. Or I got to, got to be part of that. Through my whole life and through my whole testimony, I've gone through an amazing healing journey. I've discovered, I've discovered that what I believed about certain things are lies. What I believed about myself, what I believed about my father, what I believed about who I was as a woman of God were lies. And Satan certainly wanted to, if you want to say it for better words, take me out. If you want to say it for better words. I've had healing into all my bitterness. I've had healing into all the anger that I've held. And I can say that I truly love people and love and can forgive instantly with people. in so many ways that God, that only God could do. He has faithfully redeemed me. And he has used all that I've gone through over these years to 
to help others to find freedom and peace. He's brought me into a deeper relationship with him and he's using me as his vessel to help other people go through their healing journey. God has shaped each one of us and he has placed each one of us where he needs us, where we are created to serve, to love, to help others. He has placed me in an awesome opportunity to mentor and coach young adult women who have gone through a lot more than I've gone through in my life. I am part of a healing and deliverance prayer ministry. And I am currently doing my discipleship school of ministry to become an ordained pastor. Ultimately, my, my passion is prayer. Ultimately my, ultimately, my passion is to see people healed, to see people know truth, God's truth, to see people not believe the lies that the enemy wants you to believe, but to believe that God is love and he is truth. John Eldridge, John Eldridge says, Living from your glory is the only loving thing that you can do. You can't love others from a false self. You cannot love another while you are still hiding. How can you help them to freedom while you remain captive? The reason we fear our own glory is that once we let others see it, they will have to see, they will have to be, they will have to see the truest us. It takes courage to live from your heart, to walk in your glory with an unveiled face. He continues to say, I desperately want to be who I am. I don't want the glory that I have marveled at in others anymore. I want to be the glory that God has set in me. That means I will have to live from it. That means I will have to admit what I've gone through. And that means I have a new heart and I will live in glory from that hurt. To let it be unveiled and to embrace it as true means we need to come fully alive. There's a song I want to play. um, And I just want you to sit back and just meditate or to just listen to the words. Um, In my whole healing journey, part of it, part of what I've gone through is the fear that... um, a huge fear that nobody would accept what I've gone through. Nobody would love me after all the things that I've done. But God does. God does. He says, He took upon Himself when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself 
all of our sins, past, present, and future. I bless you with knowing that you are a child of God, that you do not need to be fearful. I bless you with being part of a family, a community, a family of ministry where you can fulfill God's purposes in your life and that you can do what God has designed you to do. Your Father intends for you to have beauty of spirit.